Hey there, you're listening to the Faithful Business Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Schramm, and I bring over a decade of experience owning, running, and growing Christian organizations. And in this podcast, I want to help you become a more effective leader for Christ and serve your clients and customers well. Welcome to the show. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to a Saturday edition of the Faithful Business Podcast. I want to share with you an interview that I recorded a couple weeks ago now with a friend and client of mine, of course, a fellow faithful business owner, David Shipman. He is a pastor out in California and also does work in the financial space. So I'm going to let him tell you his story and hopefully there's something that you can take from that. And uh, I know there's plenty of value that I gained from uh, just having this conversation with David. And uh, I know that you're going to experience the same exact thing. So listen intently and hear what he has to share. I think you'll be blessed. All right, David, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, well, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, just to kind of remind uh, the listeners, what we're doing here is just interviewing some business owners that I have personally gotten a chance to, to work with and uh, that uh, are close to me and that I have spent time with. And I'm, I think that I'm interested in hearing more about their stories and I'm sure that you would be interested in hearing about their stories as well and maybe there's something that you can take from uh, David's story that he's going to talk with us about today and kind of the different things that he's been involved in and uh, and hopefully you'll find this to be a blessing and find this to be something that helps you move even one step forward in your life and your business and things of that nature. So uh, David we're just going to kind of start out with these questions. The first thing I, I want to ask you is just to share your testimony about um, how you came to Novo Lord. Well, uh, I'm one of those proverbial, I was born on a pew, uh, not maybe that far back. My, my parents were born again when I was like three or four. So I have basically been in church all my life and that not, don't misconstrue that, that I've lived right all my life. Uh, you know, I had the teenage years and the stupid years and all that kind of stuff, like probably most everybody else has. Uh, I grew up in a denominal church, and I kind of I kind of tell my story as the day that it really kind of came all together. And I was actually back in the uh, I don't know when it was uh, early '90s, something like that. There was an organization called Promise Keepers, and my father and I went to one in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. And the the group that uh, the organization that I grew up in was a very how do you say a limited, uh, very narrow mindset group, uh, kind of translation. We're the only ones going to heaven. Everybody else isn't, you know, that kind of a mentality. And as I sat there and there was a minister from one denomination, there was a worship team from another set of denominations. There was people there with all their signs. Uh, it was kind of an epiphany moment, uh, because the spirit of God was there, uh, and I literally said this inside of me, what's God doing here with all these heathens? And it really woke me up that I need to revisit what I've been taught. And I was in my early 20s at the time. And that's kind of, even though, you know, it wasn't really the, the moment I came to Christ. I knew a lot about Christ up to that point. I realized that a lot of what I had been taught was uh, incorrect or incomplete. And so I just kind of went back to the Bible and started fresh at that point. So I, I would say that's really the time that 
I really started to come to actually know Christ, the relationship, his love, his mercy, and uh, different things like that. Yeah, absolutely. That, that That's great. I frankly came from kind of, I don't know that I would say the same exact background, but certainly the same exact kind of scenario uh, because there are things growing up that, yeah, I mean, it was very narrow-minded, kind of exactly like what you said. Well, we're the only people that are uh, going to heaven and everybody else is kind of like, well, too bad for them. And it's like, it doesn't matter if they read the Bible every day. It doesn't matter if they go to church every Sunday and Wednesday that the doors are open. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that they pray before every meal and have a relationship with the Lord. No, none of that matters. It's, they don't, um, they don't have the same association that we do. So therefore they're not, uh, they're not, Jesus certainly isn't going to welcome them. Uh, Peter's going to turn them around at the pearly gates, so to speak. And I'm glad that I realized one day how false that is. And, uh, it really changed yeah. my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and that's, that is the change that I, I think so many need to go through. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time working with people who consider themselves to be atheist and agnostic and a lot of people who have left the church and you'd be surprised or maybe you wouldn't just how often the people who leave come from that background they could say the same thing about they've been raised in a, you know, basically born on a church pew kind of thing. But then when it comes down to it, they have the same false beliefs about other Christians that, um, that you had and that, that I had. And so, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's something that, that people can, can resonate with. And certainly, uh, that's a big point that I have made it in my life, you know, talking to my kids and things like that. And as they're getting older, it's kind of like, you know, we're going to make sure that they didn't have, you know, that they don't end up having that problem. So, um, yeah, what, what, uh, so what is it that you do? I know you're involved in a couple different things and again, feel free to share as much as you want to, but what is it that you do on a regular basis for, for business? Well, presently right now I am full-time ministry. I pastor a church, but I've, I've stayed, uh, in business for myself. Let me back up, uh, like many, many, many years ago. Uh, when I, when I got out of, um, high school, high school. My mom said of me that I uh, hated kindergarten and it went downhill from there. And so I really did lousy in school. Uh, I got out of high school. I did graduate. Uh, I got out of high school and I just kind of flaked around. I was working some minimum wage jobs and different things like that. Uh, When I hit my 20-ish in there, I thought, you know, at some point I got to get serious about life. And I went back to uh, school, went to college and actually did very well. Uh, with a business management degree. Um, and so after graduation, I've basically been in some form of finance uh, my whole life. So I have a lot of experience with money, taxes, uh, investments, uh, lending, and uh, most things that people talk to me about in a financial arena, I can sit down and talk with them intelligently. Uh, I've always also been uh, more of a workaholic. I enjoy working. I, I enjoy showing up at the office. So even though I'm in full-time ministry now, uh, I left uh, being employed in the finance in the mid-1990s uh, 
but I have still stayed employed the whole time. It's not from a necessity. Uh, I know there's a lot of bivocational pastors. Uh, it's not out of necessity on that. I really enjoy helping people in the, the natural problems they go through. And one of the, the greatest problems that it seems like people go through is in the financial arena. So I have stayed involved in that. So I, um, uh, on one side, I'm an investor. Uh, I buy, sell real estate, uh, have rental properties. Uh, I trade stocks, bonds, options. Uh, I'm, you know, I get up in the morning and one of my morning rituals is I go through the market and see what's going on. Uh, and different things like that. I also have a business uh, where I, uh, I set people up. It's called the Private Family Bank, and it teaches people how to build wealth and pay off debt using the same uh, dollar. Basically, basically, you can use the same uh, dollar twice. And so I set that up. I do other things and, and help people also. I did uh, have my uh, uh, securities license at one time, but FINRA was too uh, controlling. Actually, it put some controls on the church and on me. So I just let that go and expire last year, uh, figuring I didn't want to do that. I'd rather just help people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. But uh, I, I stay busy. Um, my my typical day is probably 12 hours. I say I'm part-time because it's only half the day. And um, But uh, but I, I deal in finances beyond ministry. In ministry, we also have a live-in recovery home. Uh, so I deal a lot with drug addicts and people that have... Um, and it's not just drugs. We, we basically, our home is open to any type of addiction, drug, alcohol, sexual, uh, gambling, you know, any type of addiction. So that consumes a lot of my time. Again, I really enjoy helping people. And so the coaching element, uh, if I, I, I'm not going to use the word coach. I know there's oversight uh, regulatory type places that actually will credential you and say that you're a coach. I'm not talking about it in that respect, but, but my helping people through life's problems is something that I really enjoy. It tends to flow in finances because most people know my background and I carry a lot of credibility with them uh, that I'm really doing things to try to help them. So uh, so my day is filled with, uh, with that, with ministry, with helping people financially uh, in the business that I have and then just the things I do. Uh, you know, it gets down to, to even just people have struggles budgeting. Uh, and I'll go over, I'll help people set up a budget, show them how to do it. And, uh, those kind of things I do for free. In fact, a lot of the stuff I do for free, uh, just because I like helping people. So that's kind of where I'm at, uh, today. I've done taxes too. I had my own taxes yeah, for wonderful. 20 years. So, so I've done a lot of things Excellent. in the financial Excellent. realms. Um, I, uh, I'm interested to hear because I think that some people are going to be in maybe a similar boat, like the, the bivocational thing. I mean, I know, you know, for me, I, I don't do ministry full time, but I do quite a bit of ministry activity between my own, uh, personal ministry work that I do online with a podcast and a, and a blog. I, I work a lot on that, but also I'm very involved in our church, um, and, and do a lot of teaching, especially on Wednesdays. At, at church. So I'm, I'm, you know, what's the balance look like for you between ministry and work? I mean, do you, you know, how do you find time to, to you know, to, to write sermons and, and do all of the business activities um, as, as well? Well, uh, I, I tell people that one of my greatest skill sets is time management. I'm actually very good at keeping a flexible schedule and being able to manage it. I can, I can typically, um, I very rarely get crunched on time because of it. Now, there's a couple of reasons why. And, and like I said, uh, 
I, uh, I minister on Sundays. I minister on Wednesdays. I do a, a morning Bible studies on Tuesday uh, morning. On Thursday morning, I do a, I teach over at the recovery home. Uh, I was in Myanmar in February uh, on, a mi on a missions trip. I was in uh, Honduras in February. I do a lot of uh, traveling in missions, and then I do this. So how do I manage it? Well, number one is uh, I typically think in pretty much six months out. Uh, my schedule, when I come into it, there are some things that are fixed in there, like my Tuesday morning Bible study, my Thursday morning Bible study. <clears throat> if I'm not going to be here, I'm doing something else. I'm on a missions trip or something like that. Uh, there's another full-time minister at the church, and he will cover for me uh, anytime. So I, that, I have that freedom and flexibility. I have two or three other people uh, within the church that I'm very confident in their ministry to cover me when I'm physically gone. If I'm physically here, I will minister. Um, the other things I just, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very good at time management. I, uh, I know where my calendar is. I, I have a, a day planner that sits on my desk by me, plus my calendar. Uh, I don't know how to verbalize it in a way other than I just know what I got on the table all the time. And, and so I'm able, like uh, next week, we're going to go on vacation. Uh, we're going to take, a, my wife and I are going to take about four days off. But I will still do do uh, business, and uh, and she's she's fine with that because she knows how I am, and uh, but I've got it all scheduled out on so that I have free time that we can do what we're going to do, but I can still uh, meet with people, do do the things that I do uh, in ministry, and and really it just comes down to a strong sense of knowing my time, knowing my clock, uh, duplicating myself through other people. There's things that that I accomplish but I have people that I'm confident in. It seems like there's a lot of people that are very uncomfortable allowing other people to, to facilitate some of the responsibilities. And so I don't have that problem. I'm a very good delegator, but really just knowing my calendar all the time uh, and where I'm at. And probably I drive myself crazy to some point because I'm so, you know, I know where everything is and, and doing all my calendar, but, uh, but for me, it works because I, I really, I'm just the type of individual. I hate sitting around doing nothing. I don't like watching TV. Uh, maybe in the evening, I'll turn it on just for some background noise as I decompress, but I don't like watching TV. I'm literally, um, I'm studying. I'm, I'm doing something probably till about eight or nine o'clock every night. And, uh, unless we have something planned, you know, for family or something like that. Yeah, um, I can relate. <laughs> you and you and I are cut from the same cloth. Uh, I've, I, I'm the same way. I, I have started recently duplicating myself more through delegation. I I was looking at my calendar the other day, and and uh, my wife happened to 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 walk by. And, you know, I've got this big computer screen in front of me and she saw it there and she's like, that is the most miserable, stressful thing I've ever seen in my life. And, and for me, the irony is it's just the opposite. It's like because I have it so detailed, like that allows me to stay sane and um, allows me to enjoy my time more because I always know what's going on Um and and when and so I, I I use Michael Hyatt's uh, and others have, have talked about it, but the the ideal week uh, concept where I have some things that just happen all the time, and it's kind of like even if the the events don't happen all the time, I have certain times of the week that are blocked out for certain sorts of tasks and categories and all of that. So um, 
Yeah, that's cool. I, I figured you would end up saying something like that because ultimately the people who have time management figured out, I think, are the ones who also have calendar management pretty much figured out. Um, so that's that, yeah, that's good and a lesson for anybody who's listening. Yeah. Uh, two things in there also that I'd throw in. One, I um, I use Michael Hyatt's Full Focus Planner, and uh, uh, mm. you know which which lays out your ideal week, which lays out your days, your morning rituals, your evening rituals, and things like that. And so um, I got in when he first started it, so it cost me like probably about a, I think it's a hundred or a hundred and twenty dollars a year, uh, and they're quarterly um, planners. And so, uh, so I use that very religiously. And the other thing is that I'm not, is I'm not a procrastinator. Uh, if there's something I can do, in fact, when I was in finance, one of my supervisors really drilled into me, touch a piece of paper one time. And, uh, so I get things done. I get them out of the way, uh, even if they're not due, you know, for three or four days, but I can get it done and out of the way uh, right now. I'll, I'll do that. So I have no procrastination in me at, at all. Hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I use the full focus planner also. I think I would die without it. I'm like you. I got I got it in early. Same exact thing. I, I pay uh, after shipping. I think it's like one nineteen a year. It's it's pretty much uh, amazing. Highly highly recommended. I wish I could say the same about procrastination. I unfortunately do <laughs> sometimes procrastinate. <laughs> um, I, I've as I've as I've begun to delegate more. Well, and, and frankly, it, it's uh, if I'm being honest, I I think I only procrastinate on things that um i on, on the things that if we're if we're talking michael hyatt language would fall within like my my um um whatever the uh, zone is he's got zones that he talks about things and basically i don't like it i don't want to do this task or or i i you know or i don't really like doing this kind of task or i'm not i don't feel like i'm good at doing this kind of task those are all um zones of, of, of work that, that you should be, if the task is necessary, uh, then it should be delegated. If it's not necessary, it should be eliminated. And I have gotten better at, at delegating some of those, some of those kind of things. And so I don't typically procrastinate with that. I'll go ahead and, and get it out to whoever's supposed to do it. And I give them a deadline. Uh, so they have the deadline and, uh, not, not maybe necessarily me when it comes to stuff I want to do. I'm all about it. Like I'm, I'm all over it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I think that's a huge point for, for anyone listening. Yeah. And I'll throw in there because I'm very much opposite in one area. If it's something that I can't delegate or get rid of and I've got to do it and I don't like doing it, I will be more prone to do it right away because I don't like that. Hmm. Um, if I can use the word wait of knowing that I got to do this thing that I don't like. So, so I'll get it done as fast as I can. So it's off. So it's out of my, uh, you know, off my plate. It, it's kind of oh, like, that's back great. When that, yeah, that's, cool. that's awesome. Yeah, so like back when you're in school, you know, and you've got to give a, uh, most people don't like public speaking. It didn't bother me, but um, uh, they got to get up there and they wait to try to be the last person. I've always been like, no, I want to be the first person. Let me get it done. Number one, if I'm the first person, you got nobody to compare me to. So it's kind of a fresh start and I can sit through the rest of the class and relax instead of anticipating my turn. So I, I kind of think differently in that arena. I love that. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great. Well, so to kind of shift the discussion a little bit here, 
how would you say that being a a Christian business owner differentiates you from maybe other people who do the same kind of work that you do? Uh, one thing that uh, there's probably a couple things that differentiate me. Um, one, I'm not bivocational uh, because I have to have the income from what I do in the finance. Uh, I do it because I want want to do it. I like to stay busy. I do it from the fact that I really like helping people. The benefit uh, on a secondary level is I, I make some money from it. So my my number one drive is not the income. Uh, I do have a personal opinion that if you're working just to make money, you're probably going to run out of steam on it at some point because money is really not, in my opinion, uh, you know, the old saying, I've been broke, I've had money, having money is better. I agree with that. But if your only drive is to have money, money is not a fulfilling entity. So on one side that differentiates me is that I don't have to make a sale. I can talk to somebody. I don't have that stress. I don't have that pressure. And so I'm able to stay within my uh, my conscious guidelines of I'm here to help you. And if I can help you and you want me to help you, great. Let me help you. If you don't, that's fine also. Um, and so there, there's never a, a pressure point within it. On the second thing, and, and this comes from my, my doctrinal position, is that um, I really believe that, that ministry can, or, or that business can open doors for ministry. And I really look for that opportunity where I can help somebody on a deeper level. And I, within our church, and I have several business people within our church, uh, or commission salespeople and stuff like that, where they can control their own time. Uh, they, they've come to learn this also, that, that when you, if you're an employee working for somebody, you're subject to whatever they're going to pay you. If you have a business, you can control the income and the time that, uh, that you want in it. So I, I was reading one time, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, I believe it's verse 8, it says that we having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That abound the word abound in there really stuck out to me one time. Everybody understands having all sufficiency in all things. That means you got enough money, you got enough resources to do things. But to be able to abound to me is more of a time issue. Uh, typically, when you talk to people, you, you kind of um, uh, encounter two types of people. One person has a lot of time on their hand and they typically don't have very much money. The other person has a lot of money and they typically don't have very much time because they're working and making all you know, the money that they have. I believe that God wants us to be in a place where we're in ministry and that if we're in business in this realm, he can bless our business so that we have the sufficiency, but we also have the time. One of the things that in the, the scenario that or in the the uh, the life that I've created on all the things that I do, there's not one thing that mandates me to a specific, I've got to show up at nine and leave at five and I have no control over that time. I have control over my 24 hours. Uh, I fully believe, and I think this is one thing that I think the, uh, um, the Muslims have a, a dominant factor than Christians, is that there's really three gates of authority that I see within any community. And that's government, politics, uh, business, and education. Uh, if you study out uh, Islam and what they do whenever they go try to, to overtake a country, you know, with their, their religious beliefs, people go in and they typically, they, they, they get businesses first. 
because everything that you do requires money. And so they, they dominate in the business world. Then they start moving in and start running for offices in the political world. Then they start getting on school boards. And so that they can bring their under, underlying all of this is their belief system, their religion. But they utilize these, these platforms, if you will, to facilitate change. It seems in the, um, a lot of the Christians that I uh, talk to, they don't like talking politics. Uh, they're afraid to start their own business and they don't want to get on school boards or get it, you know, involved in the type of, you know, the meetings that they have PTA meetings and different things where influence can come in. And I think that's a, uh, that's a wrong thinking on our part. So my, my personal philosophy in looking at business and my approach from business, it's a door for uh, a platform to talk to people about other things. And like I said, I don't have to make the, the money in order to survive. Uh, you know, our salaries are enough from the you know, church. My wife's a school teacher. She's retiring this next school year. And uh, the different assets that we built and, and different things like that over the year, we're fine financially in that respect. But my knowledge of finance and the, the areas of people that I'm, I'm able to help, the other day, I had a multimillionaire sitting in my office. This is just this past week. I think it was on Tuesday that he showed up. He came in to talk to me. He comes in periodically, and, and we just talked. This man, who in all the years I've lived in the town that I live in, I've known his name, but it wasn't until a few years ago, about five years ago, that I personally met him. Everything that was associated with his name was negative. Uh, pretty much everybody in our town knows him. But God has opened a door, has given me favor with him, where I've been able to sit and talk with him. Uh, he's 85 now, so he's up there in years where we talk about the Lord. Where we talk, He's opened his business up to me. He's shown me all of his profit and loss statements, his balance sheets. I mean, I, I've, he's, he's shared with me information and finances that he would not do with, with just anybody. But that relationship opens the door for ministry. Uh, his wife is not doing well now. She's sick and uh, battling some things. To, and so, uh, so we're able to talk about that. So my, um, coming back to your, your question, what really differentiates me from probably most people is I'm not chasing money. Uh, I would say that probably we do better than average of most people. Uh, we're not like, you know, uh, Bill Gates or something like that. We're not like uh, uber wealthy, but we do probably better than the average and we can very comfortably live on what we've created, but we're not chasing money. We're chasing ministry and we're chasing, trying to help people. And so in that, that focal point, I think, uh, really separates me from a lot because, uh, like I said, I'm not really doing it. When I tell people I'm not doing this for money, uh, they probably look at me like, yeah, other people told me that too, but really it's just a side benefit. And uh, our, our lives are all about ministry. We do a lot of missions work. We do a lot of things. But really what I want to be is I want to be in a position that I have the money and the time to do what God wants me to do. And business is the avenue where I'm very good. Now, politics, I'm a very politically minded person. I can talk to people on, on politics, people who follow me on uh, Facebook. They get a lot of my political opinion. But I don't think I would really do well in politics. Um, and so I've never really pursued that. Uh, I, I think that if I did, it would hinder a lot of my time on the, the ministry side. But I try to encourage our people. You need, you need to run for the school boards. You need to run for these positions that are uh, held by people that are destroying our, our country. 
and uh, you need to, to get yourself in a position where what you do in business gives you influence with other business people because they're the movers and shakers of the local economy all the way up to the national economy. Mm. Yeah, that's very powerful. And I completely agree. I, I've noticed the same thing. There's this um, total lack of, I don't know if it's a lack of concern, but it's certainly a lack of involvement in the in in the business community and the the political community amongst many Christian, uh, well, many Christian people, but also just many Christian groups in general. And it's like I don't know how much more I could beat it into their heads that it's like no, this is why we're losing. Like in terms of the public, um, you know, persuasion of of of, of people because those who have religious, um values or 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 anti-religious values either way that that don't align with our worldview aren't afraid of these things and so they're in the public arena they're in education they're in politics they're in business and they are uh you know effectively shoving christians out the door um and so I'm, I totally agree with you there. It's an unpopular opinion, but I totally agree with you. Um, like, Absolutely. let's get more people in these unpopular. positions of influence and authority. I had <laughs> yeah, you're not going to uh, make many friends that way. <laughs> yeah, I had somebody not too long ago tell me, uh, I disagree with you. And my response was, you're not the first one. <laughs> you know, um, I, I often right. <laughs> question the Lord. I typically end up in three mm -hmm. conversations, one of three conversations with people. It's either about money, religion, or politics. It's like, Lord, uh, these are the three conversations that if you want to get in a fight, talk about why is it the three conversations I always end up <laughs> with, uh, with people. But, but, it's, but they're important. They're very important. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, something else you said that, that was kind of, uh, I was thinking about it from a little different angle be because I was thinking about it the other day, is, you know, you, you talked about how money is kind of a bad motivator, and I totally agree with that. Um, and uh, at least that's the language I put it in. Ba basically, what you're saying is that, you know, if you do if you do it for the money, you're probably not going to last very long. And um, and I totally agree. And what's what's interesting, though, is like sometimes, and this is just, probably a personal thing, but I'm sure there are lots of others who can, who can relate. Um, because of the, you know, we mentioned we started out by talking about false beliefs about other groups and other Christians and things of that nature. One of the false beliefs I think that many of us grow up with is that money is inherently bad. And even when we, even when we get to the point where we know where, where it's like, okay, like, okay, I, I get it. Like, like okay, it says that it doesn't say that, that money is the root of all evil. Like, okay, once you overcome that, right? And, you know, that's kind of the first step. Like, isn't money the root of all evil? Well, everybody kind of, once you start to grow up a little bit, and you, you at least get to that point. You're like, okay, well, I understand that. But still, I, I think a lot of times we hold ourselves back, and maybe I should just speak for myself. I hold myself back in business because there's always that voice in the little back, in, in the back of my head that says, you're allowed to make enough to survive, but you're not allowed to do much more than that. So, like, you should just kind of, you know, forget that now and go, go, you know, 
overseas and build a school kind of thing. Like, like forget trying to make more money here. Like, go overseas and build a school. And it's kind of like, okay, well, how, how, you know, it'd be nice to make enough money to, like, fund one of those schools one day. Like, that would be sweet. Um, so, like, why is that bad? And so, I, I guess I'm just kind of tagging something on there for what some people might be thinking because, frankly, I think it. Uh, I have the thoughts of, you know, if isn't isn't money inherently bad? And I just constantly have to remind myself that, um, even though it's a terrible motivator, it's not um, a a intrinsically bad thing. Um, does that make any no, sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because, and I I've said many times that all money is is a tool, um, and whatever you're doing in life, wherever your focus is, if you're just a consumer, yeah, you get more money. You're just going to consume more. In fact, I heard one person say that all money is is a magnifier. The more money you get, it magnifies what's inside of you. We do a lot of work, just speaking personally, we do a lot of work in missions. I've been around the world. I've been in underground church in China. Uh, We have several uh, uh, ministries in Uganda. We have a clinic in Uganda. I've been to Russia five times, Poland, uh, Philippines. I mean, I've been, I've literally been around the world and done a lot of things. If, um, if a, a boatload of money was dropped on me right now, my life would not change one bit. I, I, I would expand our missions and what we're doing in missions to help other people. Um, so I, th- I think that the, the internal motive, now I, uh, I was taught a lot of that same thing that you were talking about, and I see it in a lot of people. In fact, a lot of people, I don't live with a scarcity mindset whatsoever. And if you were to live stream with one of our church services, you would see me. I, I believe that we serve a God that this whole world was created for us Christians, not for the heathen. We've got to look at this differently and we've got to get rid of the scarcity mindset. But if your motive is consumerism, you just want this and you want that and you're going to live by your consumerism, that's a waste of money. And I have no problem with people driving a, a, a nice vehicle. I have two nice vehicles. Um, but we literally, my goal in life is to, to give into ministry 51% of everything that we make. Now, uh, I'm not bragging on myself. This is just a goal, and I'm not telling other people to do it. There's a couple of reasons why I, I focus on this. Number one, uh, well, in fact, let me just use J.C. Penney, the man. Uh, it is said of him that he gave away 90% of everything that he made, and he, he lived off 10%, but he lived better than most people. So even on a small percentage, with God blessing it, you can live better than if you consume 100% of whatever you get. So my goal is to give away 51%, a couple of reasons. One, uh, if you're giving away more than what you're bringing in, it really goes a long way to fight greed. And I don't want greed to get inside of me. I don't ever want to move to that place where it's about me just having stuff. Um, and so my, my focal point is to get there. Now, I'm not there yet. Uh, we probably, on the average year, end up giving 35 uh, 40% uh, into ministry and to other things. We help people. In fact, I just sent some money to a person uh, today be in Africa that I know because they, they don't have no food and they don't have no money. So there's a lot of things that we do that, that are just on a personal basis. But once you realize that, that money is just a tool, and one of the phrases um, that I've used many times is, if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. Uh, the problem is too many people become uh, reservoirs. You know, it's just come to me so that I can have more. 
uh, the more that God gives me, the more we do in missions and helping people and expanding the, the ministry. Uh, and so, yeah, I think the having getting over your own mental limitations on that plays a big part in what we're doing. And I do believe it goes back into back to business. If my motivation is to help people minister the gospel, God's going to bring the money. The, the money will be there. And uh, and that's something that a lot of people just carry as a weight in their life that there's a real easy way to get over it. And that's just follow the the, the focal points of why we're doing what we're doing. Hmm. Oh, that's great, man. <laughs> Beautiful. Awesome. Well, that helps me. I mean, I, I wrote down money is a tool that's extremely helpful. Um, so if nothing else, you've helped me. Very good. Um, so what would you say is the biggest misconception that, that people have? Like maybe somebody is, is just looking to get into business. You know, what's a big misconception that people have about like owning and or running um, an organization of any kind? Well, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, there's a um, romanticism with it that if I run a business, I'm going to uh, just be profitable from day one. The reality is most biz small businesses go out of business within three years, three to five years. And uh, uh, another thing is I'm going to start my own business because I want a lot of free time. Uh, my father was very big in the multi-level marketing world back in the day. And uh, he's 80, um, uh, 83, 84 right now. But, uh, but you know, 20 years ago, he was in the top one third of multi-level marketers. And uh, I remember there was one time where he made um, $300,000 in just a couple of months uh, based on the organization that he built, what he was doing, so on and so forth. Uh, but he probably worked 90 hours a week. Uh, I mean, he was constantly working. It was uh, maybe not 90, that would might be a little bit too far-fetched, but he was definitely over 40, probably in the 60, 70 arena consistently. Um, you can get to a place where you build a business, um, you know, depending on the type of work that you do, um, where you don't, you know, work as many hours because you've delegated, you put people in place, you built a team. But I think that a, a lot of people think that you're going to just, you know, make all this money and not have uh, time. And typically in the beginning, you're working more than you would at a, if you were an employee. The other thing that is a, uh, I don't know if misconception would be the right word. I think it uh, maybe the focal point might be different is what is your why and again I go back to just because I've lived it uh, it was something I had to overcome I've seen it many people if you're just doing what you're doing just for the dollar bills that comes in I think you're going to be sadly disappointed and you're going to lose the joy in it I think people have to figure out the why they want to do what they're doing and um, um, keep that that why in focus of why they're doing it, whether the money is flourishing or whether the money is tight. Why am I here and why am I doing it? It helps keep the drive going. It helps you do the right things. And I, I think a lot of people don't really take the thought process of, um, of going through that. I think the value of having a coach, uh, you know, one of the things that in churches, a lot of people that pastor, uh, they went to Bible college and then started pastoring. They don't have the the business experience that I have. So like, I know the people in my church, they come to me with business. I'm a coach in a lot of things that they do. I've gotten people through a lot of the, a lot of problems where they were not making money and they had, 
major problems and I help them navigate through it. Uh, maybe your pastor doesn't have that skill set, but having a coach that does, having somebody in your life that knows how to do business. This uh, gentleman I talked about just a minute ago, the multimillionaire, uh, he's the largest rent collector in our county. He's got several businesses. And uh, I, I set meetings with him up periodically and I ask him questions of how he got there. Uh, while he's not like a coach to me, he will sit down with me and I can pick his brain on business, things that I'm going through. Uh, I had an investment opportunity that I was analyzing. I went to him with it I, and I laid the whole thing out to get his opinion on it because he's successful. Having When you know your why and you can put people around you that can help you get through things versus just going out to try to do a business, then um, uh, you're more motivated to, to, to do it, to stay in the game. Uh, to go through the the ups and the downs and just keep on your trajectory of what you're trying to accomplish. Excellent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I loved, uh, there are uh, so many people who uh, try to get, get my train of thought, thought back here. Like, I guess they, they, they would love for the pastor to be able to, to, to speak to their problems like that. <laughs> and it, it's like so many times you, you, you find people who are so buried in ministry that frankly, they're a little bit far removed from, from those kind of struggles that others are going through. And so it makes it more difficult to speak to those kind of things. Um, so uh, th it that's is. great. You, what you, about you, you mentioned? Need, yeah, go ahead. You need somebody who can tell you, I don't know the answer to that. And I have no problems with that. I don't try to set myself up as I know everything. And I've had people come and ask me questions that I knew this was not my skill set. And I will tell them, frankly, this is not my skill set. You need to go talk to this person. They can help you with that. And that's that plays deep into the um, the realm of having the right people around you. And, um, and, and I think we have to be, be conscious of those things. And most, I would say, and I, I don't say this in a derogatory manner, it's just the reality of life. Most pastors don't come out of the business background that I came out of. So they don't know that realm. And you need the, the questions that you ask them. In fact, I can tell you a story of a person that um, they went to a church with a, another pastor. And this pastor was what most people would call a prosperity minister. Everything that he basically talked about was prospering. And a, a person came to him with a business idea. And, and he said, oh, yeah, go. God will bless you. God will bless you. And the guy was bankrupt. Uh, it was a dumb idea. I remember they were talking one time uh, about it. And as they told me, now, I, I had no authority in this other guy's life and, and this pastor. So I, I was just part of the conversation, but uh, wasn't going to uh, contradict. But I was sitting there listening to him. And I'm thinking, this ain't going to work. And, uh, uh, you know, there, there's the faith of business, and I'm very big on it, of believing the Word of God. But then there's also practical applications of things. And, um, you know, the one scripture says, faith without works is dead. If your work or your business or what you're doing will not work. In fact, I heard a guy tell a testimony, and I thought this was so amazing. <clears throat> and uh, he was selling a house. Um, I think it was Los Angeles, but whatever. Um, uh, city he was in, he was selling a house and he was believing for a certain amount of money uh, for that house. <clears throat> he knew it was worth it. He knew he had faith to believe for it and it wasn't selling. <clears throat> and so um, he finally got an offer 
offer and he needed to sell the house. So he took the offer, which was less than what he was believing for. And as he took the, the, as he took the offer, he was very disappointed uh, in it. And he, he sold the house, he moved uh, to another area and he was, he was disgruntled with God. It's like, I know how faith works. I was believing uh, for this. I was believing for this. And so when he, he ended up back in Los Angeles doing something and he just by happen ran into the real estate agent that sold his house. And so they got to, to China and he says, oh man, he says, you know, we still actually talk about you. We call your house the miracle house. And he's like, why do you call it the miracle house? Because, and the guy said, within so many miles of your house for three years, not one house sold except yours. It was an absolute miracle. And a lot of times we get messed up on things that, that God is really moving or that our work is working or not working in the, the conversion, which I started on this. And uh, we're trying to have faith for something that won't work. And then when we get out of it, we actually, we walk away discouraged, maybe close it down. And we were actually doing better than what we thought. So I think this understanding, you know, we take our spiritual questions or, or wherever our skill set is with our pastors, talk to them about that. If they don't have a business background, go to a business person. You probably got one in your church that's very successful and talk to them about business. Just like if you had a question about insurance, you'd go talk to an insurance agent. Or if, if you had a question about building a pool in your backyard, you'd probably go talk to a building, a pool contractor. And I, I think that's a something that we miss out on a lot within the uh, the Christian community. Yeah, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like to me that this is another area. Like I, for me, I'm I tend to be kind of a polarizing person. Because I have strong opinions, but my strong opinions usually like lie in the middle of other people's strong opinions. And it sounds to me like that's where you're coming from. Like, you know, you have, you're of the opinion that, that faith, you know, yeah, absolutely. Like we should have faith. We should believe God for things to happen in our business. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that if we just have faith, it's going to work. Like there is a total, like there's a middle ground there that we have to, to, to live by. Uh, not everything is going to work, but but not everything's going to fail either. <laughs> uh, so those who are not interested in getting in, in into business uh, for whatever reason, you know, I, I think that uh, you know you're probably on their bad side, but you're probably also on the bad side of the of the person who says, "Well, pray, you know, praise God, brother, just have faith for it, and everything's going to work out." Well you know, there's bad ideas, uh, out there. <laughs> and so we have to be sensitive toward those. Um, you know, I put, I posted a question on uh, Facebook the other day and I said, what's your plan if there was a total economic meltdown now being a pastor, probably 80%, 90% of everybody that's friends with me as a Christian, some sort. And the majority of the, um, uh, answers were, Pray and believe God. That's that's an incomplete, unless you're just a, uh, a raise the dead kind of faith person, you know, um, that's an incomplete statement because there are some very natural things that you have to do. You have to buy food or grow food. Uh, you got to get food, whatever it is. You've got to have water. There, there are some very natural things that you have to do. And while... God, the word of God says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. 
he also never said this is the welfare system. You just sit back in your lazy boy and I'll, I'll take care of everything for you. We, we should be. That's why, you know, without a vision, the people perish. God expects us to have goals and plans and working towards something. He, with our faith and our goal and our, you know, uh, where we're moving, he can now put that together. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that we play a big part in the faith that we're having. So when it comes to starting a business, we need to start the right business. We, and, and a lot of people, and you know, there, there's a lot of things within multi-level marketing that are actually good. You can learn how to sell in multi-level marketing. Uh, but there's a lot of people, in fact, the vast majority of people in, in uh, multi-level marketing, they're in it uh, just long enough that whoever recruited them can go through their warm market. Um, and they never come out the other side. They never learned it. So what happened before they got into it, they didn't sit down and say, you know, as the Bible says, you, you you know, does a person go to war without sitting down and, and determining if they can beat? Does a, a builder build a building without sitting out back first and seeing if they have enough money? A lot of people in business don't take the pre-time, the time before they start, to see, is this something I really want to stay and do? Do I have what it takes to go through the lean periods? Do I have the faith to believe that I can create what it is that I'm trying to start. And I think all, all of these other things play factors into what we're going to experience on the outcome. Yeah, absolutely. I love your, your thought about just kind of taking inventory of those questions. Um, you know, admittedly, sometimes I don't even ask myself those questions and it's kind of like, Hey, this is what, you know, this has been laid out. Um, th there's lots, it's like my pastor often says the Bible is the best business book there's ever been. I mean, you know, in one sense, I, you know, I totally agree. I mean, there, there's uh, a lot, you know, you can learn about how to treat people and, and even practical things of, you know, what you should do, uh, before you get started. Um, and, and, and doing, doing that kind of work. There's a lot of, uh, plowing of the field that, that has to take place, uh, before you start planting seeds. So, yeah, there's a great uh, book out there called 10 commandments of business. I believe that's the name of it by a mm -hmm. rabbi. One of the best business books I've ever read. Beautiful. The 10, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to have to check that one out. 10 commandments of business. Uh, very good. Um, so my next question for you, and I, I kind of already know the answer to this, but feel free to flesh it out a little bit here is about your morning routine. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, kind of swear by the idea that what keeps them going is a good morning routine. Uh, what does yours look like? Uh, I agree with that. I already mentioned one area where I do uh, go through, uh, the market, see what the market's looking like it's doing, uh, where things are at, if I want to make any adjustments. Uh, I, I try, my morning rituals are probably one of the weakest areas that I have. I, I have it lined out and I like to get my prayer. I like to get the word in. I like to, uh, uh, like I said, look at uh, on the investment sides of if there's anything that I need to do. Uh, I go through my emails that have come in overnight, delete the ones that are uh, just spam and stuff like that and check out, you know, are there any that I need to read right now? And others I'll save for uh, a later time that, yeah, I'd like to read that, but it's not that critical. Um, the downside for me is I don't like, I, I am, I am not a homebody. I do not like sitting around the house. So I've got an office at home. Very rarely gets used, but I will get up in the morning and I'll, I'll make a cup of coffee 
I'll go into the office and I'll plan to do all these morning rituals. And if it starts taking a little bit too long, I'll be like, well, I'm going to go to my office office and uh, finish this up. And, <laughs> and that is one of the things that uh, uh, <clears throat> does plague me. And I'm working on revamping it and, and really trying to get it down because I do believe in it. I believe it works. I'm just not good at at staying in it because I'm just kind of a get up and go type person. Um, and so I like getting up and going after my first cup of coffee. <clears throat> so, uh, as I said before, I use uh, full focus planner by Michael Hyde. He's very big on this. I've gone through his videos several times on setting up your morning rituals. I don't do the evening rituals. Uh, that one is not as important to me. Like when I'm leaving the office, you know, I need to do this, that, and the other. I don't do those kind of things on the shutdown. Basically, I will work until my eyes are too tired or I'm just exhausted and, uh, and I don't think I can work any longer. Or if I do something, I don't believe I would get benefit out of it because I'm just not fully there. And so, um, so I just kind of go <clears throat> until my goer goes out. And uh, that's, my, that's my evening ritual. But, uh, but I, I'm very pro the morning ritual. I just got to get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, I kind of, in one sense, I envy the people who have this long drawn out thoughtful morning ritual they do every single day where they're like, they're like reading and they're journaling and they're, um, frankly, like, I mean, I have a morning ritual, but it doesn't include, you know, those kind of typical things. I just don't have the patience <laughs> for it. Um, like I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm get up and go. A lot of times, I'll do my Bible reading um, in the car. I listen by audio. I'm very much an auditory learner. Um, so my my, in fact, the, the kind of the bulk of my morning ritual is um, that I've gotten up in time to actually do work uh, <laughs> before it's time to go into my real job, kind of thing. Uh, to to my day job, you know, I I, I spend a lot of time um, before. You know, and again, you wake up before everybody else. You know, early bird gets the worm. That's one of the oldest ones in the book. So, um, you know, I, I tend to put the work in and put the effort in. And my, a successful morning ritual for me is just, you know, getting up and and actually, uh, you know, doing those things. So, uh, that's good. What, what about uh, what would you, you say is a, your? F yeah, go ahead. Hang on a second. You made a statement in there which you haven't asked the question on. Uh, but I think it's very important. I'm, I'm very much an audible learner also. Now, I don't, uh, when I drive uh, somewhere, I typically always have a book going. I do not use the Bible at that time. Uh, one on typically whatever I'm studying or reading in the Bible, I like to have an actual physical Bible, not digital or anything. But um, but audible or one type or, you know, any type of audio book type program I think is key in business. I am constantly uh, learning and listening and going over things. Uh, in fact, most of the books that I've bought, I've listened to them two and three times. Uh, many of them I've listened to them and then I end up buying the hardcover and uh, I read it. Uh, uh, but this constant learning, I think if you're going to be in business, you should be consistently learning and getting better at business, what you do, the environment of what you do. And um, I have a, a subscription to Audible. It's $14.95 a month. And I can, you know, download a, one book a month on that. And uh, I don't know how many books I have now in my library, like maybe 120 or something like that, that I've all listened to 
uh, listen to all of them more than once. If I have a book that I'm going through that, let's say it's a six or seven hour book, I can typically go through that faster than the month of when my next credit, I will go back and re-listen uh, to one of uh, the other books. One of the books I've listened to, and the guy's uh, first name is Sean. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but it's, it's, the book is called Get Off Your Butt. And the butt has one T. It's like, get off of your excuse. And this is such a phenomenal uh, book. This guy, he stands uh, about 36 inches tall. He's in a wheelchair. He has a, um, some type of, I, I don't know the name of the disease, but his bones would break. Uh, there's one story in there where he just rolled over and broke several bones. It was on his birthday. And he had to literally lay on the floor there. They could not move him to his bed. And uh, if anybody has a butt, a reason why they can't do it, this man has it. But he has a PhD. He, he worked, I think it was as an intern in the Clinton administration. Uh, he's got a very attractive wife. Uh, he's made a lot of money. He's on a circuit. You know, he's published several books and he uh, does a lot of public speaking. And he has overcome er so many obstacles. And I know for me, uh, books like that, because we all get into, you know, lean periods of time where it doesn't look like it's working, where we're fighting the flow. And to go back and like rehearse his book for me, because I've probably listened to it at least three or four times, uh, of I don't have near the problems this man has. Um, and so uh, why am I why am I getting down in the dumps or getting discouraged or whatnot? I just need to overcome what's trying to come against me. Yeah, um, you're thinking about uh, Sean Stevenson. That's that's who that yes, is. That is who yeah. that is. Yeah. You read the book? I, I have not, but you can uh, better believe I'm going to after that uh, after that raving recommendation. I actually, I just came across him uh, the other day for the first time because I'm I'm interested in uh, in the work of uh, uh, Russell Brunson. He's a, a big marketing guy, um, and I, I've, I've been getting kind of more into his atmosphere here lately because I just something about him I really like. And um, Sean is one of his clients, uh, and uh, in, in the different areas, um, and it, it, he spoke at one of his events and such. And I just came across him the other day. I watched the other day as they built out a, a sales funnel for a, a new membership site he was putting together. And this was like three years ago or something, um, but at the time it was new. And, and so, yeah, I, I came across his work, and I was I was really intrigued by the guy and some of the things that he said. So I'm probably going to have to get that book now. <laughs> um, you talked me into it, so I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. I do the same. So I have an Audible subscription as well. I listen to things, um, and this is this is totally a matter of personal preference. But I I listen to things faster than one. Um, you know, the, the normal speed. So I, I usually listen at 1.6, which is like speed and a half and a little bit. Uh, and oh, that's wow. what I, yeah, I do. Um, I listen at 1.3. Oh, uh, do you really? There you go. But 1.6. In fact, we were in the car one time. My wife was with me and she looks over and she goes, why do you listen to this so fast? <laughs> 
I know people. My wife thinks I'm nuts for it too. Um, I did. Now I listen to more podcasts than probably anybody I know. So I, I, I just because of the work I do, I have the freedom to to pretty much listen to whatever I want like all day long. So there's always an earbud in, and whether or not it's healthy, that's a different question. I used to listen to everything at actually at two times speed. I had gotten up that fast. Um, but the, the downside to that for me, um, is it's 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 a little bit too fast for me to really comprehend things. Uh, if I have to think about things for even a split second, um, I just have to totally stop. Um, and the other thing is, that it actually started giving me a headache. Uh, just in, on a personal note, like it started giving me a headache if I listen to things all day at two times speed. But but one and a half is still a little too slow for me, and it's actually. This sounds so crazy, but I've been doing that for so long now that if I listen to things at one and a half times speed, if if I am not very intentionally engaged and like taking notes and everything, um, it, it I've tra- my mind is now trained again for better or for worse to get bored. Like listening at that speed, I will tune out and think of other things because I'm I'm actually not getting the information at the speed that that I I need it based on the way that I've um, trained myself. So, so but that is a, a really big hack. I mean, you can you can take in a lot of information via audiobook and podcast um, it, it, that way. And I would I don't know that I would necessarily say that I was ever an an audible or an auditory learner before I started getting into podcasts but after that point it's kind of like I mean I'm hard I hardly ever read a blog or a physical book I if I um if I read an ebook it's it's typically because the audible one wasn't available or because I didn't have an audible credit and to buy it on audible would be like you know $15 by itself or I could get it on Kindle for like 299 <laughs> uh you know that's uh, so I'm cheap so um in terms of that. So, uh, but yeah, that's a great point. I'm really glad you brought that out. That might be the most valuable thing or one of the most valuable things. Um, what was it? Um, I don't know if it was Zig Ziglar. It was one of those old guys who said, uh, you know, basically like the, the car, uh, is like your mobile university. It's like you, you can listen to things in the car and that, that, that it's time that's usually spent for most people just, you know, doing whatever or listening to the radio or, or whatever, but you can literally learn so much if you do nothing other than, um, spend time listening to, to helpful materials in the car, uh, Absolutely. So. You know that, uh, you know, on Audible, where the, if you scroll through their app, it, it tracks how long you've been listening. And uh, you know what I'm talking about on the app? Um, I haven't seen that. No, personally. Uh, you, I believe there's it's there. There's a button up there that says me. And if you go in there, you can look and see how long. I have, uh, last time I looked, which has actually been a, a while back, I had over 40 days of listening to books so mm. you know it tracks it on a 24-hour cycle of a day and how long you've listened and i've literally and i typically listen uh i would say 90 percent of the time i listen to it uh, i fly a lot so i'm counting uh, airplanes as like cars to when i'm traveling uh, <clears throat> over 90 percent of the time i listen to it I, i'm doing it in travel mode so it's time that would otherwise be wasted but i literally have more than 40 days 24 hour cycles, 40 times of listening to books. That would have wow. been a lot of time wasted uh, without doing that. Wow. 
Yeah, that's a super good point. Uh, I'll have to check that. I bet mine is is pretty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's probably pretty far up there. I, I've. I'm I'm like you too. If there's a book that's really good and I just really want to take it in, I'll listen to the same one two or three times. Um, sometimes in rapid succession, if it's something I'm looking at implementing, um, you know, right away. So so that's good, very good. Um, what would you say is your favorite thing about being a business owner? Well, in the type of businesses that I have and the things that I do, um, they afford me the the time element and that's probably one of it uh, i the last time i had a job that i had to actually clock in and clock out uh was probably in the early um the late 80s early 90s um and once i got free from that clock in clock out i literally said to myself i'm never doing this again uh i hated it um, in fact, I, I got written up several times because I would just clock in eight, went to lunch, 12 to one, left at five, put, you know, the eight hours. And I was actually there, you know, nine or 10 hours. And uh, they said, David, you need to actually put the right time uh, on there. And it's like, if I put the right time, I'm going to end up with a bunch of over, overtime and you guys are not wanting to pay overtime. Well, then you need to leave and stuff like that. And like I said, I'm just, I enjoy working. And so, um, when I got off the uh, the clock, uh, you know, the punching clock, writing a timesheet or whatever, I now could control my day. And so uh, when I was actually in finance and employed, hey, if I didn't want to come in, you know, starting time was, uh, I think it was 8.30 to 5.30 was the day. It's been so long now. But if I didn't want to come in till 9, I didn't come in till 9. If I wanted to come in at 7, I'd come in at 7. Uh, when somebody called me up and wanted to go to lunch uh, and we spent two hours at lunch, I could do that because I wasn't on the clock. I always ended up putting in more than 40 hours a week. So what they were getting was a lot of free time out of me, but I had the freedom to choose what I wanted to do. That's one of the things that, uh, that is probably the, the, the favorite thing. I can control my schedule on what I want to do. And, and I love that element of it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, very good. I think I would probably say the same thing. Um, I'm not to that point uh, quite yet. I mean, I again, I'm, I'm still full-time employed, but I think that will be my favorite thing. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming soon. Um, and my last question for you, and then uh, I will uh, let you have the rest of your evening. Um, what's your favorite Bible verse? Um, that's, <clears throat> that's really a hard one because there's so many. Um, I'll give you two, an Old Testament one and a New Testament one. Um, my Old Testament favorite verse is actually Isaiah 26, 3, and it says, Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And I love that verse. You know, it kind of ties into Romans 12, 2 of uh, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed to the renewing of your mind. I think so much of what we do, how we do, is um, based on how we view things, the way that we think. Uh, in this verse, it says that God will keep us in perfect peace. If you actually study out the Hebrew, perfect peace is uh, actually comes from the word shalom. Uh, in the study of the word shalom, it's actually a Jewish greeting, and and it means health to you, wealth to you. I heard one people one person come up with a, a definition of the word the word uh, shalom, and they said that it means nothing missing, nothing broken. Uh, I like that. That if we if we trust in Him, we will keep our mind on Him. And it's going to work. Uh, my New 
New Testament favorite scripture is probably Ephesians 3.20. This is now unto him that is able to do exceeding, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. This goes back to one of the things that we were talking about before, that you can't just live by faith. Faith taps us in to that exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able to do so much more than what we can comprehend. But it's according to the power that works in us. We, we play a part in this. I think that a lot of the part, it's one of the things that I deal with, uh, with people, um, our mindsets limit us in so many different ways. Even the, the discussion we had on money and you were sharing what you were talking about, the mindset of money. You know, uh, we, we, have, we have negative mindsets or limiting mindsets in so many different arenas that we stop what God actually wants to do for us because what he's thinking and doing in our lives is far beyond uh, what we're really trying to believe for. In fact, I've, uh, in 20 years of uh, being in full-time ministry, I've seen it so many times that what most people, when they, they have a prayer request or they're, they're looking for, for God to do something in their life, really what they're trying to do is get the current pressure off of them. I believe that every time we ask God, uh, you know, we've got a problem, whatever the problem is, I don't care what it is. We got a problem. We're looking at trying to get out of the problem. We ask God, help me and get me out of this. Because he thinks, like Isaiah said, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As the heavens are above the, the earth, so is his ways higher than our ways. I think he starts trying to put in our destiny into place. But once we get the pressure off, we stop doing what it takes, what we started to, to get the answer to the prayer. Praise the Lord. We got an answer to our prayer. Whew, I can breathe now. <laughs> but I think yeah. that if we would stay locked into that, he's going to take us places that are beyond what we can think. That's what I love about that scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Perfect. Man, I so appreciate your time. Thank you for, for hanging out with us and uh, uh, just sharing your story. I know others, uh, certainly, there's a lot that if I was listening to this, I would be writing some things down. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the interviewer and I was writing things down. So uh, I think there's a lot of helpful stuff in here. Thank you again so much uh, for your time. Is there anywhere that um, w would be great for, for folks to find you if they want to find you online, interact with you, do business with you, anything like that? Yeah, my business website is just my name, David E, as in Eric, David E. Shipman, S-H-I-P-M-A-N.com. And you can go there and find my uh, uh, website on the business on how I teach people how to pay off debt, build wealth using the same dollar. Uh, there's a free video on there that'll explain everything to you and watch it and uh, feel no pressure from me or anything like that. Uh, on a church side, if uh, if you're, I know a lot of people are streaming these days. I'm in California. Uh, if you want to join us on there, our website for there is COPI, C-O-P-I, which stands for Covenant of Peace International, westcoast.org. Uh, and uh, you can tap in. We're also on uh, YouTube under the same name uh, on the ministry side. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much, sir. All right. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed this. Yes, you're, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Uh, bye.